Okay, I also have Apple headphones now. Woo! Yay! You're gonna sound pretty. Well, that's I uh had the headphones, but I do not have the charger, so it's on the charger right now. Been charging. Um, Wait, you have Bluetooth headphones? No, like they plug into the thingy. Oh, gotcha. Mm. Bluetooth. Your phone. Your phone's charging. Gotcha. Yeah. No, the uh, you think I'd spend two hundred dollars on uh. Douchebag. <laughs> I was like, Gavin, that's that's not Frat like you. Frat dude starter pack my ass. Frat dude starter pack. <laughs> that, a Patagonia shirt, and a backwards trucker hat. I'm glad you were recording that. <laughs> uh, all right. So all right. this is live, Let's... so I can't look like an idiot because I do develop innovative technology. And yeah. Are they plugged in? Oh, God! <laughs> they are plugged in. And they work. And the volume does not have to be turned all the way up to hear it like it does on the regular phone. The Flyover State Sports Show is for a mature audience. It contains strong language and adult situations. We do not own the rights to any audio of the podcast. Viewer discretion is advised. Is this on? Welcome back to the Flyover State Sports Show. I am your host, Beans, and I am joined by my co-host, Turd. As you can tell, this isn't Sam talking right now. This is me. This sucks. I'm so sorry, but Sam is at work. Us two, we're kind of like on a weird schedule for work. Gavin, what do, what do you work? Uh, I work 410s, so I'm off today. Okay. Uh, Friday, I have three-day weekends every single weekend absolutely outstanding for basically every single season of sports um, <laughs> but terrible during the work week <laughs> see and i work like i work like an eight hour day and then like a 10 and then the next the wednesdays are like 12 hours and then you know by the time i get to the end of the week there's 40 hours so it's like i don't go in on fridays um but i can flex my schedule how um i'm a great boss as you guys heard um tyler had such a great show that we wanted to not um ruin it by adding sport any more sports talk by our banter so or just <laughs> any opinions of ourselves yeah so we were just like you know what this is a great spot we'll just make one at the end of the week put in our sports talk and um overall gavin what did you think of the interview with tyler oh i i thought it was outstanding um there's a reason that we cut it off with just tyler it's because he was outstanding um is one of the like my favorite interviews we've had here because it tiptoes the line between uh like super informative it's all stuff i hadn't heard about before and it's stuff that's interesting to me because it affects every single officials are that massive part of the game we we literally came on here and argued with each other about the super bowl uh call and that's just one call in a game that has can have infinite calls right so i i love talking with tyler about that but also he's super fun and able to just like joke around he fit in with us perfectly um I really, oh, really hope that uh, we have the ability to have Tyler back on sometime. And I have so like we we all got off to the show, got off the show, and we texted each other in our group chat. And was like, I have so many more questions. Like, yeah. 
I could keep going. <laughs> I'm uh, in a, the most selfish way of saying it. I'm almost glad in a way that your phone was ready to die because A was going to cut us off from a four hour show. Oh, and then, it was going to go on forever. Yeah, we, I could have talked for hours with Tyler about that shit. But then on top of that, now we can just bring him on for another show whenever we yes. don't know what to do. And we can just leave <laughs> off of Tyler again. Because the off season is so fucking long. Yep. <laughs> good news yes, is, is I had good news is I had my six month eval. I am not fired, so I'm still working with him. He's still my boss, which is great. I love having him as my boss. He's a good freaking boss, man. Yes. All right. So we should uh, go ahead and get into the show here. Get into the meat and potatoes. Uh, Sam, you are greatly missed because you are very good at this transition stuff. I am not. Um, so let's get into the meat and potatoes. Something happened. It's kind of been building up over the past several weeks, months, actually. And it hasn't really hit us in the face until Combine Week. Gavin, it, it sucks talking about this kind of stuff. It, it, it hurts almost sometimes, you know, hearing everything that's happened. But I, we're, I'm talking about the Jalen Carter situation, everything that's going on there. Gavin, do you want to give some details on what's happened there? Yeah, so... Um... I, I got off work yesterday knowing that we were doing this this morning and thinking through like, okay, we're probably going to need to talk about this because it's one of the biggest stories around sports right now. Um, so what we know, and I looked at a bunch of different sources, uh, Drew Davenport is a outstanding follow on Twitter. Uh, he does a lot of the legal threads going through like the Alvin Kamara situations, just the Joe Mixon situations, all of that stuff that just like, uh, comes up out of the blue and you're thinking like, what do we actually know? Cause there's so much misinformation. Exactly. At that time. Yes. Um, so using him as a lot of this source and then a couple other sites just to kind of like, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to believe something when you see it across multiple sources. Um, what we know is that Jalen Carter prior to this event, and I'm assuming this is something the NFL already knew about. And um, what's interesting is they knew about it and he's still getting mocked as a top five pick, just like, the opinion is not really changing. I'm referring to him being pulled over uh, twice, being cited for speeding and reckless driving prior to this uh, the event that we'll speak of. And was basically, um, for lack of a better way to put it, let off the hook because he's a Georgia football player. Cop doesn't yes. want cop doesn't want to like, dude, you're going to be a top draft pick. Like, I hope to God me pulling you over is like going to scare you enough to stop. Right. Go ahead. It, it sounded like when I read the police report on that, it sounded like multiple teammates knew this. It's not yes. just Jalen Carter. It's not just, yes. any, you know, it, it sounded like a bunch of teammates just go to this location. And I, I can't remember. Is it a he was going 89 and a 20 there? There was a couple. Um, so, yeah, there's multiple speeds because there was multiple occasions where he yes. was pulled over sided. So it sounds speeds. like it was a Georgia issue. <clears throat> the, highest, the highest one I saw was 100 miles an hour in like a 45 or something like that. Um, Good gosh. Yes. So now we get to uh, the like tragic incident where two Georgia football, I think a coach and a, fo- and a player. It was, uh, yeah, she was like a like a, a student worker, grad grad assistant type role. Um, helped with recruiting. Yes, and then another teammate of Jalen Carter's also um, were uh, racing. They were under the influence, and they crashed their vehicle. Uh, both of them passed away. Um, that, like, kind of happened, and it was one of those things where, like, oh, my God, this is really terrible. The world moves on. Jalen Carter's not thought to be involved in any way at this point. Um, 
basically what happens is after a couple, the reason it took so long is because police officers had to look at um, traffic footage, had to look at a couple different things, and they eventually had enough evidence to connect Jalen Carter to this situation because Jalen Carter was seen racing them that night, was seen racing them moments before the, uh, the scene of the crime. And the problem with that was Jalen Carter and obviously other Georgia players were asked about this situation multiple times by police officers to try and give them any information because both both people that crashed died like there's no there's no wit- witnesses they're just yes. looking for information at that point um and Jalen Carter originally had told the police that he was uh too far away like heard the crash but has no information and then as the police start to acquire more information on Jalen Carter figuring out like okay like we can see you on traffic Racing, weaving between traffic was something that kept coming up, um, way exceeding the speed limit. Um, As that information starts to come out, Jalen Carter's side of the story starts to change as well. Well, I was there, and then eventually the uh, fleeing the scene of the accident becomes a reality. Jalen Carter, um, that, that misdemeanor comes up, and then racing is also the misdemeanor that he is currently being charged with. There's nothing to actually, like, convict him in terms of... I want to make something clear. There's nothing to connect Jalen Carter to the death of uh, his teammate or uh, the coach other than they were doing the same activity, and you can look at that however you want to. That's yeah. entire, but that's entirely an opinion at that point. It's not illegal. Um, there's no nothing legal to determine at that point. Jalen Carter was doing his thing. His teammate and his friends were doing their thing. Um now, at this point, Jalen Carter obviously leaves the Combine, goes, pays bail, pays bail and will face uh, the court decision for both misdemeanors. The max yes. that he can do for those misdemeanors is, I think, 12 months in jail for either one. Um, I'm not sure how that works as far as, like, you know, stacking together and all that. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and then, obviously, there'll be um, – he's already paid bail, so it's just kind of a um, – it's a legal issue at this point, but that's to catch you up with everything that we know. I probably missed some stuff in there. I apologize. Um, but there's like by and large, a lot of information and none of it is good for Jalen Carter. Um, I think the worst part about it is it kind of seems like it blindsided NFL teams. Uh, yeah, these NFL teams have done, I hope so much work into Jalen Carter already. There was the story that I'd sent to you that was already like a a positive Jalen Carter character story about him yeah. playing his teammates. Now, of course, that story is a very much I, what I hate about that is you know the he said she said versus when you're comparing to like a legal thing where it's like you mm-hmm. know we know that you have done this. Um, but regardless, like, uh, I, how do you feel about this? I've been talking about this for a while. This is what we know. What's your viewpoint on this now? When Jalen Carter has to leave the combine, gets his picture taken gets his mugshot taken legitimately in his combine shirt. How is an NFL team supposed to view this? And more importantly, how does Beans Jubal view this? So from my perspective is combine week is when a bunch of these teams get to sit down and talk to these guys, dive into their brain. What are they ask the strangest questions at the combine? You know, do you prefer boxers or briefs? You know, that kind of stuff. This legal situation will be asked a thousand percent by every team, no matter who they talk to. Um, And, you know, he's not probably going to speak much on the situation. And because nothing's been resolved and how the situation has been handled and he doesn't say anything, it makes it it look worse for him. 
he he's still very much so going through the legal process. Exactly. Not, not only from protecting himself from what NF, NFL teams and PR problems they could yes. uh, walk themselves into, but also Jalen Carter's himself legal issues. He has exactly. to know the line protecting himself there. Exactly. So there's going to be no answers given on this situation. And basically you're going to take a shot on a guy if he's going to go to jail or not. Yeah. Do they do they want to face a guy that they're not going to have for the first year? I mean, I don't know. Well, and from the from the whole the the, the the thing, and we kind of talk about this, and it's probably going to piss a lot of people off me saying this. It frustrates me that it appears to be no remorse, and I'm I'm yeah. sorry. That's what pisses me off. That's what that's what I think scares teams too. I think that would scare teams more. It, I truly think. Teams would see what the way he's acting, the way the situation has been handled, the remorse side of things, I think, is what would scare people. Uh, Somebody some two people died. I get that. But like the the, the fact that he doesn't show any negative thoughts. No, maybe he does. Maybe everybody handles grief in different ways. You would think there would just be something he'd say. He put out a statement and it just didn't help him either. No, that so. Building on top of that, the the side I want to put out to defend Jalen Carter, and this is I don't agree with this. This is just objectively like what I think is going on. Mm-hmm. I, yes. I I don't think he can. I think he has to be really careful with the remorse with the tying himself to the incident because he's originally told police officers that he was not there. So yes. he's uh kind of I understand him from a legal perspective basically just keeping himself separate from that because everything Mm -hmm. we've heard from Jalen Carter is you know I'm gonna clear my name um like I uh this is a terrible situation and I want to make sure that I'm clean after this yes now the other side of that and the side where I completely agree with you if I'm an NFL team and like that is what he's doing and that's where his focuses are I completely understand I don't give a shit um Mm -hmm. you are going into an NFL locker room you are going to have teammates and if you're going to go to bat with these dudes, you're going to uh, be best friends with these guys. Not saying every NFL player has to be best friends, but yeah. you are going to be on a team with players and you are currently in a situation where you were racing and with a teammate who was intoxicated. Uh, you did. You appear to have done nothing but escalate the situation knowing that your teammate was intoxicated. You have been warned on the situation. Multiple times. Did nothing to prevent yourself uh, when it comes to decision making and like stopping this from happening or trying to stop this from happening. You're just escalating the situation. And then on top of that, you flee the scene, do nothing to help your teammate who just crashed and uh, is and ends up dying, um, flees the scene to protect himself. And then afterwards is has basically said nothing about sadness of his teammate passing away, has said nothing about, uh, you know, regretting the situation, whatever it is entirely, I'm innocent and I will prove that I'm innocent. Um, if I'm an NFL team and most importantly, if I'm Jalen Carter's teammates, fuck fuck that guy. I don't even, I don't even care about his, his agents just there for the money. I'm talking about dudes that have an emotional connection with the guy. Yeah. How 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 does Kirby smart? How does Kirby smart feel? Yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah. I, I, there's so and, much- and, and the, 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 the thing that it reminds this kind of it's it's a terrible analogy, but it's kind of very similar. It's like telling a kid don't touch the stove when it's hot. You know, oh, that's hot. You're warning him. Hey, that's hot. He got pulled over multiple times saying, hey, don't yes. do this. 
Yes. B- bad things will happen. Warn your teammates. Bad things will happen. Okay. He touched, th- he touched his, he fucking, he fucking slammed his hand on the goddamn stove. Like, yes. what more do you like? You've been warned, you've been told, and I'm not going to go into the, look, we've been talking about this way too long. Cause I'm going to just yeah. get pissed off even more. Yes. But same. The, the fact that it, it, you were warned and you should have stopped. And I, I can't imagine how Kirby smart feels. It's a waste. It, it, I'm not saying it's a waste of talent. Cause he's a very talented guy. Something could happen. The legal system could do something completely different. He could go to the draft. He could play his games. You know, he'll be fine. But like you mentioned, your locker room perspective of this guy does change. Yeah, it, it does. It does change. It makes everybody a little on edge. He'll have his bros. He'll have his homies. You know, he'll have, He'll have his friends in the locker room, but that that circle gets real small, real fast. Yeah, from from an NFL perspective, the last thing I'll add or I'll say on this is just like I have a hard time seeing a team investing a high draft pick, or if I was an NFL team myself, investing a high draft pick in a dude that was what appears to be instigating and escalating a situation in which he was encouraging drunken teammates to not only drive but drive a hundred miles an hour in a forty-five. Uh, weaving through traffic, doing multiple dangerous activities, which ends up killing them. After he is taking part in those activities, in mm-hmm. which mul- mu- uh, multiple teammates or coaches of his die, doesn't like think to like stop, check if they're okay, do anything like that. Immediately goes to, oh no, I need to protect myself. And then after is convicted, still doesn't walk it back. Is still worried about protecting himself and his stock. That's that's my big issue when it comes to the NFL. And I think that that should be the largest red flag of a top end prospect that I can recall off the top of my head. The one thing he can do and we can move on after this. uh, The one thing he can do is after the legal system decides what they want and the NFL decides what they want. He needs to come out and, you know, show remorse, apologize, do everything he needs to do. Uh, I'm not saying like go out and. But learn from the experience, talk about it, show awareness of this kind of stuff. Hey, don't do stupid stuff like this, okay? And you yeah. know, players will do it. Players do this all the time, okay? They mess up. They go through a process of where they try to explain the situation they've been through. And, you know, almost like a documentary style. He can learn. He can create a situation where they can learn from this. Yeah, and I, not to, uh, God, I don't want to put the legal system on blast here, but like he's already been let off the hook twice. Like, does he yeah. really think like? Well, that was that, more police related. No, you well, know, I I get that, but like at the same time, like if he comes out and um, I feel like they have enough information already, and he's being convicted of it, so they must feel like they have enough information to convict him of oh, yeah. fleeing the scene of a crime. So I almost feel like in a way his his goose is already cooked. You yeah. may as well like start the. PR relieving process and I yeah. even if you're incriminating yourself you showing up in court and having remorse having just apparent sadness about the situation because I haven't seen that yet yeah I feel like that's only going to help him but that's that's the Jalen Carter situation god damn yeah it. and so I know terrible. and we know the, the draft will happen before the the courts make up their decision the legal process is slow it's prolonged it's very 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 long process so it'll take some time before that's all done but now that we are kind of talking about combine week let's move on to that gavin yeah let's talk about some positive things let's 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 move on to the brighter side of the the, this week so 
to uh, move back into a joking mood, I was just, uh, when you said that about the legal system, um, remember when Alvin Kamara did something really terrible and beat somebody up and then everyone forgot about it and a year later it's like, oh yeah, remember oh, yeah. and could do jail time. It's like, yeah, why now. did this take us a year to get to yep. when we had video evidence? Yeah, I yeah, So, I yep, it's, it's a, yep, yes, exactly. So, but, but we, we're on to the combine, Gavin. Yes. Yes, it's combine are. week. It's a beautiful week because you like you're gone from football for about three weeks and then boom, combine. I love it. I we're at the stage in the combine too. Obviously, we start getting the defensive tackle and defensive end forties last night and measurables. Uh, but we're at that stage where all that we've heard this entire week, and I I love what they did with the schedule for this yes. uh, this combine. It's so spread out. It, it is. You can um, essentially isolate your different groups to different days. Especially, I like it because it puts the groups that I care about most over the weekend when I can watch. It puts um, the data. It puts the data together a lot better. Yes. You know, before it was kind of like, oh, all oh, these guys ran. Right. Now it's like you can just look at this day. You know, yes. this day is what these right. guys ran. It's nice. It's it's real nice from a, a analytical perspective and from a fan perspective. Yeah, and I, from a I, fan. I, yes. I know we made fun of last year the uh, combine being a um, TV event, and I'm still going to make fun of that. But like, if you're going to do it, this is how you do it. Yes. And like, they at least pulled that had pulled this off successfully so far. Um, but I don't know about you. I feel like when these NFL teams and their personnel started showing up for the combine, I have been just molested with information and bullshit, <laughs> and some of it like makes sense. Some of it doesn't make sense, but like regardless, I just feel like there's just so much bullshit spewing out, and like a reporter is just having a fucking heyday, tweeting out just random shit. Some of it gets traction, some of it doesn't. But um, I guess that let's just fucking start there. This the stuff coming out of the combine. What's caught your eye? The the stories. We don't, we'll get into the players and what you're excited about later. But okay. we're hearing about the Aaron the Aaron Rodgers situation getting talked about. We're uh. NFL teams are getting asked about their process. We're getting, I mean, there is so much stuff coming up when these NFL teams, the players are on the mic. Mm -hmm. um, what's really caught your eye so far from that portion? So far, the only thing that I've really majorly heard about is Chicago not trading. Yeah. That's the only sort of information I've been hearing at this combine. Um, and so that, that means they're not in search for a quarterback. They're probably there, you know, so yes, something, Uber interesting about that. Not, I don't want to take us back to the Jalen Carter thing, but Jalen Carter, the situation occurring, the person it hurts most, in my opinion, is the Indianapolis Colts because Chicago cannot trade back to four and still guarantee that they get one of the Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, or, assuming yes. that two quarterbacks go high. Exactly. Um, it, it, so it, it knocks the, one of those guys out, out. you know, it, yes. Probably. Probably. Yes. Like, so. obviously a lot can happen with the legal situation of Jalen Carter still. But, like, if you're the Colts, I'm looking at this going like, oh, shit. You know, like, we assume two quarterbacks are probably going high. Then you have your Will Anderson. You have your Jalen Carter. Those are, like, like, the majority of the blue chip prospects I'm seeing out of this draft. Um, I, well, blue chip prospects plus some quarterbacks because quarterbacks yeah. go high. Yeah. Uh, but I, I thought that that was really interesting and especially interesting when now Chicago kind of loses a trade partner. I haven't fully like processed yeah. how, not only how the Jalen Carter thing affects Chicago, but what I would do if I was Chicago, I absolutely think they would, I, I would trade it. If you were going to get a 
quite I think there's calm. enough. Yeah, there's enough there to where you should feel comfortable still. Yes. I, or, you know, you don't even have to move back far. There's a lot of teams that'll move. Who's that three? Um, oh, shit. God. Uh, keep talking. I'll find it. <laughs> Anyways, there's teams and a team would even trade up from three to, you know, one just to jump up one spot. And they would still sell the farm to try to move up up there. A team at number five, you know, Carolina, Arizona. Pan- Arizona. Yes. You know, you never know. You never yeah. know. Well, and I mean, from Chicago's point of view, like if, if I'm Chicago, I want to trade down, but I want to make sure if I trade down, I'm still getting one of the elite non quarterbacks. Yes. And now that's one, two, or three. That's where you can guarantee that stuff. Uh, the funny thing is, <laughs> um, I, we can get into this later on the combine, but <laughs> what if this is the year, like, uh, same thing as last year? Nobody values the quarterback. Yeah. You know, it, you know, that was, I, I always said last year, that was the worst case scenario for the Chiefs was uh, the teams wouldn't value quarterback. And guess what yeah, happened? Nobody valued quarterback. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. I, the difference between, um, cause that's, that's the other thing being talked about at this combine. Um, obviously, there's there's the video of uh, Bryce Young showing up to the combine yesterday, walking next to a six six tight end. And oh my god, that end. was the worst thing that he could have done was walk next to Shoemate or wh- or whatever his name is. I don't give a fuck who he's walking by. He's about to get measured. Of course, he's like it doesn't matter. We're about to figure out that the five ten quarterback is five ten. He, but he. What are your thoughts on Bryce Young not so, doing any of the uh, activities or I, any of? The, doesn't surprise me at all. I don't think yeah. any quarterback should do it. Um, we, I actually want to talk to you about, we had a conversation about Jackson Smith and Jigba, like similar um, thing with that. But especially when it comes to quarterbacks and the difference between this quarterback class and last year's quarterback class, um, where you're like, I don't, we're going to talk about these prospects. I have plenty of time to do that. I don't want to dive too much into that. Yeah. Um, but the dude like Anthony Richardson, the obvious like Malik Willis and like just uber toolsy uh, comps start to get thrown out. He's a much different quarterback than uh, Malik Willis. Way but, different. Like, but Anthony Richardson Anthony can Richardson play. Never mind. Of, Anthony Richardson is one of five. Yes, I yes. agree with what you're about to say there. He can um, move to tight end and still be an elite tight end right now. Like which he's is just really in- funny with him coming from Florida. But yes, because <laughs> <laughs> that just seems to be the reoccurring theme out of Florida. <laughs> exactly. But uh, no, like Anthony Richardson is one of five, and the other four that are outside of Anthony Richardson and your um, or I'm sorry, one of four. I you can I don't want to throw Tanner McKee in there. Um, yeah. Your Bryce Young, CJ Will Stroud, Levis. Will Levis. Those yeah. three like have played super elite football in college at some point. I wouldn't say that Malik or um, Jesus. <laughs> I wouldn't say that Anthony Richardson has done that. Um, but he has the tools to make NFL teams. Just say it doesn't matter. Um, but none of the other quarterbacks in last year's class are outside of you know Sam Howell, who I went to bat for, um, who might be the starter. Uh, <laughs> none of them had played like super elite college football at any point at a high level. All three of these guys have. Two of them did it in the SEC, which I'm told is a prerequisite to being good in life. Um, but so like these guys have been elite. The question with them is they each have that just like one glaring red flag that makes all NFL teams like, you know, take a step back. Um, I, what I also what I love about the combine week is not only do all these NFL teams, the NFL teams are much more open with this stuff than a I would be. Yeah. And I think then like most people realize they would be. Because, like, the, the media makes up, 
I've joked about it before, like the term smokescreen, how much these NFL yep. te- or teams like think about this type of stuff. Like Chicago. Chicago doesn't give a flying fuck what uh, people think about the quarterbacks as long as they want them and they're willing to trade up for them. Like, yeah. that's, of course they're going to do their due diligence, but like that's on a board tucked away in the great vault in Chicago that nobody can like look at or touch, right? Literally, Ryan Poles is the only one with that information right now. Yeah, I actually think just uh, not like hot take here or anything. Um, before the J- the Jalen Carter situation kind of throws a wrench in this, I think Indianapolis was like my favorite team to trade up for uh, Will Levis at number one. Um, yeah, uh, I I don't really want to dive into detail on that right now. I'm really excited to because I really I'm. There's a lot of things about Will Levis that yes. get me excited. Um, but I, but there's yeah. also a lot of things about Anthony Richardson that could get you excited as well. Do you, yes, these teams that do want to take him. It's a shot in the dark. It really is because you're taking you're taking the traits that you you've seen the highs his highs, but if you watch the first four weeks of his uh, last season, th- those were some lows, man. I, those I were would some lows. encourage you to look at what the Eagles thought and built around with Jalen Hurts. What the OC there, who is now the OC in Indy, um, kind of looked for in a quarterback, what they valued, and start like comparing some of the mostly personal stuff too, but then obviously the physical tools that are there comparing a Jalen Hurts and a Will Levis. I yeah. should, everybody should do that at some point because I think that that made a ton of sense for Indy. It still does if they can get there. But um, I, we can keep diving into other positions here. Um, I, I want to talk about receiver because um, it's the one that, I mean, we just bullshitted about a receiver model that I made. So obviously I care entirely too much about this shit. Yeah. Um, but uh, we, we'd had a debate in our group chat because I keep seeing reports that Jackson Smith and Jigba is not going to run the 40. If I was Jackson Smith and Jigba and I'm training and I'm running anything like close to 4.6 or above, I'm not running the 40. Because if there's one thing that we learned last year, I don't think Drake London was going to run faster than 4.6 in the 40. I don't think nope. he's a faster than 4.6 guy. Uh, so what did he do? He just didn't run because it doesn't make sense to run if you're going to – it's only going to hurt you. Like the NFL yeah. teams didn't give a fuck that there's not a negative data or that there's no data point. The only thing they would have cared about is if you would have gave them a negative data point. That's, exactly. They, the, they, they, they do try to weave for the, you know, they try to weave and find something negative. Absolutely. They always try to search for that. I, you know, like I, you could, you could be, you know, you could be just an elite athlete. You could be six foot four, 215 pounds, you know, you, just the most dominant athlete as all get out. You run a four, four, six, five, that, that hurt, that hurts you. That hurts you. It's just the way it is. The way the cookie crumbles. Well, it's the under, it's the underwear Olympics, man. I'm glad you brought it up that way. Cause I, I didn't, I've heard this before and I love this phrase. The combine is about taking players off of NFL teams boards. I yes. hate that phrase, but like the idea of like, Oh my God! This guy just doesn't meet the thresholds that we look for in these players. Like it, we gotta also, take him from here to here, type stuff. It also moves people up. Somebody like yeah, a Pacheco. Well, somebody like a Pacheco running a four three nine. Great interview. I heard he did had nothing but positive interviews, and some some thought that they they would have taken him in the fifth round, sixth round, and the Chiefs st- take a steal at seven. You know, I, that's the thing. Is I still like. Well, I understand that, and NFL teams might say that they move them up. I listened to an interview with Ron Rivera yesterday on PFS podcast. Just go to bat with saying that they would have taken uh, 
uh, Sam Howell in like the third round and they like really like some things they saw from him, but they like these other players better. And it's like, all right, like if you like the most valuable position in court in football, if you're really going to go to bat for this quarterback and like say that you really like a lot of things he does talk about all these things, how he, there's no reason he should have fell after his incredible sophomore season, which I went to bat for here on this podcast. It's like, do you really just let that dude fall two rounds past where you thought he should have been drafted? Like, that's where I start to like have issue with players rising, but I know for a fact that players will fall post combine. Yes. Yeah. That, um, yeah. I I I love the combine. It's the last like big data point that we yeah. get to because after this we will well, probably and- come onto this podcast and start diving through positions, what we think, and rankings. It's 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 numbering season, beans. It's list season. Yeah. That's- <laughs> well, and the thing is like. You know, this provides more analytics as far as numbers, like you just mentioned. Like yeah. we get the Senior Bowl for the seniors. You know, somebody like a Tank Dell helps their dra- uh, helps their stock by showing up and just balling out, mm-hmm. just showing up to this balling out. You know, he still has his height disadvantage and all that stuff, but showing that he is a crisp route runner really helps him. Yeah. But this also helps us look at those juniors and you know those younger athletes that weren't quite seniors that weren't able to participate in a bowl game. And yeah. us, for us to see their ability to run routes, move, and see how their hips work, you know, stuff like that. Especially, and I'm, I'll walk people through the dude that I still go to bat for in Sky Moore, a guy from a small school who's yep. had like no exposure, but NFL teams have, you know, they've been able to watch the tape. I was able to watch the tape and think like, God, this, this dude's got it. But like, he's got to get through the rest of these steps. Like a dude from a small school comes to the combine and flatlines. Like you just, the an NFL team's not going to bat for you the same way that uh, when you come here and just ball out. Sky Moore came along the way. It's like okay, I like this guy, but people aren't willing to buy in. And then it's uh oh oh shit! All of a sudden he comes to the combine and just is one of like the biggest risers from the combine from the receiver position. Then it goes through the interview pros- uh, process, and you only hear good things coming out of the interviews. Goes to draft day. He's a second round pick for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. And the, the, when you just said that, the and I'm looking at my list here, the first person that came to mind was Andre Iasso yes. out of Princeton, the wide receiver out of Princeton. Like you, that's the exact name that came to my mind when you just said that. Yeah. It's uh, are you coming to the combine as like a small school DK Metcalf guy? Like, Oh my yep. God. Or, or, or Christian Watson from last year is another great example yep. of that. Yes. Or you come in here, people watch you at Princeton and think like, wow, you move different on the field at Princeton. But it turns out that's because you're at Princeton. Like yes, that's the, yeah, your, your, your talent is, you know, a little bit not as elite there. Yeah, yeah. right. That's uh, no, I, I completely agree with you with that. I um, I'm I'm sorry for the people that are listening to the podcast thinking like, oh, my God, go and go to bat about the defensive players, because I mean, the defensive players also to at least give them some love here. That's my yeah, job. I know that's uh, I what I love seeing with this, because there's so many. Um, God. The linebacker and corner position, all of the defensive positions, in my mind, it's much easier to take a athletic traits driven guy and just th- throw him in there and he'll not, I don't want to say figure it out, but like you almost can't succeed at corner if you just don't hit certain thresholds. You almost yeah. can't succeed at edge rusher. If like you don't hit arm length is such a huge thing as being a corner. If you yeah. don't hit it, you know, somebody like, um, uh, I think it was like Roger McCreary last year. Yeah, Roger McCreary had short 28-inch arms. You know, stuff like that is really – and some some mocks had him at the first round. 
before the combine. They read his arm. They got his arm length. What was he? A second, third round corner. He was a third I, round I, corner. I can't quite remember, but like that's the type of stuff that that is like the big stories coming out yes. this week, right? Yep. But the the stuff that I hate and the opposite side of this, um, I hate to go back to the offensive side of the ball, but a like Devon A chain at running back that yeah. is literally quite literally an Olympic sprinter, a dude that he, is he is he is going to run the fastest. I think I'm I'm calling my shot here. He's going to run the fastest forty. That, I mean, but the problem with that is like even if he does. The dude is an Olympic level. He sprinter. runs That's track. Great. He's still yes. running track right now. <laughs> yes. Like, can we like take a step back? Cause you're going to see it like, oh my God, this dude is flying up draft board. That's cause he practices this Don't. all the fucking time. He practices yeah. get offs. He well, practices I mean, sprints. We already be careful people. Right? PSA. You hear it all the time. I am telling you here on the flyover state sports show. If you think that a player is fast, don't just think that a player is fast. Think in your brain with all the information you have, what yep. you expect them to run. Put a number to it. Do something to like help yep. you out because the only thing that's going to – that should change your minds on – in my brain, you put an Olympic-level sprinter in the 40-yard dash, I, there's not a number high enough or like – it's just a threshold. Your threshold for speed to meet what I want is just like – you know, put a number to it, four, three, five or below. Yep. Like that's what I'm expecting. Anything below that, I don't give a shit because I know he's fast. I'm not going to change anything on Devon A-Chain because I know he's fast. The only difference it's going to make is A, it erases the possibility of him coming out here, having a Delvin Cook and running a four or five and everybody going, what the fuck? Yeah. And uh, then B, even though NFL teams are going to say they're not going to do it, there's a GM out there that has no fucking idea who Devon A-Chain is, and he's going to run a 4-2, and he's going to go from the fifth round to the second round on their draft yeah. boards because PR and because it's going to be super fun to draft a guy like that and think about all the things. Well, and think of it like the opposite way. Like, Bijan is a big guy. Yeah. Six yes. foot, 220. Like, he's not going to be running a 4-3, 4 you know? Like, it's... No, there's going to be... He's been talked up. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Dude's just a dude is sake. No, I'm not saying he's Saquon, but he's Saquon level of talent in my opinion. He's like, been not, talked up though, and people view the forty as such a important and like difference making event, which it is in a way to the running back position. Um, but there's going to be some very very disappointed people out there just because of expectations when he comes out there and runs like a four or five, which is yep. outstanding for his size and more than good enough at the running back position. Um, and that's where you got to go and look at film, their ability to read holes, read gaps, you know, where, the, you know, which way is the, his offensive lineman's ass facing, which he does really good at and reads off that and makes certain cuts, you right. know, his, so those are certain things you have to look at. Right. Um, and like for the, for the people listening to this, again, I just want to keep giving you examples of this. Like I look at it and I say like, all right, vision, probably a four or five guy. If he comes out here and runs four, four, like four, four flat or just below four, four. Four four, holy shit! Like, oh, dude, like freaking nature. That's like, something <laughs> that should actually change your opinion on him, yeah. right? Because like I don't, I think. But he's him fast. running, yes, but him running a four five is like what to expect. Like right. him coming into this is like expectations four five. Yeah. Yes. Hundred percent. You should never change an opinion that when all the person does when they come into the combine is meet your opinions. I'm looking at you, Bryce Young, being five ten. Dude, one guy I'm really excited for. I'm sorry, I don't mean to do this, but Israel 
Again, I'm going to abandon Canada. Yep, abandon Canada. Yeah. I'm excited for him. I'm excited to see how he does. He there's going to be so this running back class. Um, I, you know what? Fuck it. We're 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 both in uh multiple dynasty leagues together. Yeah, multiple. we've talked we've talked about fantasy football on this podcast and passing. We love it. Um, a lot of people that listen to this podcast love it. Uh, this running back class has done a really funny thing where like you know all of the um people that steal people's money on uh Twitter for. Uh, their content that they create. Um, they've been talking up this running back class and multiple people, NFL analysts have been talking up this running back class for so long. And it almost feels like we've talked it up so yeah. much over the last couple of months. You've kind of seen it like tail off to where like now, instead of the, cl- the class being deep is almost being used kind of rightfully so as a negative for the class. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not going to matter when multiple running backs come out here. Israel Abanacanda being one of them, right, right or wrong, Devon A-Chain being one of them, Sean Tucker being one of them. Yep. He comes out here and just hauls ass. And all of a sudden, these running backs that are going on, like, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth round of these mock draft websites, all of a sudden are like, oh, my God, we got to throw this guy into the second and third round. Oh, there is going to be a run. There is going to be a sprint of running backs in this draft. I, I'm, I feel it. I feel it I, in my bones. It, it's one of the topics at the combine beans. We should probably, honestly, we should probably talk about it. The uh, backpocalypse that's happening across the NFL right now, where yeah. there is with this running back class. And granted, like I know, I look into this running class, running back class a lot. Probably have a like heightened view of them than maybe an NFL GM does. But there is what appears to be so many goddamn running backs across the league right now that you could just look at and be like, yeah, I'd be fine if that guy's my starter. And that has just like nuked the, it's no longer become, yeah, no, it's no longer become a one guy being the do it all guy. It's let's have three guys that just do certain traits. Right. And we'll just throw them in, you know, it's, it's kind of eliminating the special running back, you know, like a Christian McCaffrey or a Saquon that can just do it all. Well, yeah. we, we saw it. I mean, Christian McCaffrey went from a situation in Carolina this last year where he got 90% of the work, just week in, week out, yep. is the guy. Some weeks, 100%. Yeah. He goes to, uh, goes to the 49. Yeah, San Fran. And um, when Elijah Mitchell is healthy, and that's a like important distinction to make, because oh. it's not like you can just, for the running back, doesn't matter, people. They didn't just throw anybody out there. Like when a seemingly really good running back uh, Elijah Mitchell was healthy. He's getting 12 carries a game. Like, yeah. it's, it's that's taking away. From well, don't McCaffrey. don't take don't take into account like the also you, you have to take into account that Debo Samuel is also yes. filling it. You know, right. it's, it that was the best situation for him to be in. Instead of being the bell cow, let's take this guy off a couple times, and he still has the same production, still has the same output. Yeah. So yeah, that, and and that's what's that's what's happening. You know, like we just won a Super Bowl playing with Grant and McKinnon's role kind of slipped away a little bit as Pacheco's, you know, filled that spot. But McKinnon, what what would you say his priority was as a running back? I mean, he's our like in, in our bullshit led offense, uh, he was the like perfect I'm a veteran that knows where to be, especially in passing situations. Boom. How many how many times when Mahomes is doing his Jack Sparrow run around in the backfield did Patrick Mahomes just find Jarek McKinnon? McKinnon? Yes. And it, maybe it was where he's supposed to be. Maybe it's not. But regardless, Jarek McKinnon is such a savvy veteran when it comes to that stuff, has done that for so many years that he's just like, all right, if I just go here, I'm going to be in space. Mahomes can find me and I can make a play. And he was really good at pass blocking. 
That too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so what would you say Pacheco's role was? Uh, he's our early down grinder that was, well, I, he, I didn't want to see him as a grinder. He's a fucking badass when it comes to yeah, that shit. He was our gap and zone guy. Yeah. Let him run. Let him early run. Early downs. Early downs, yes. So I think in that situation, like, that's what the NFL is modeling to. Because you know why? It's fucking cheaper. It's cheaper and, like, I'm sorry. I'm looking at you, Derrick Henry. Um, you are outstanding. But, like, at some point, you're, like, two yards a carry in a 30 in a thirty carry game is just, like, not getting it done. Yes, you're going to, like, rip out that, like, 60-yard run at the end that maybe, like, bumps it up. But, like, down to down, Seattle gets themselves into a lot of – or got themselves in a lot of uh, trouble with this, too, especially when they had Russell Wilson. Whereas, run, run, two yards, one yard, and you're looking at third and long all of a sudden. Yep. Tennessee does this all the time, and ironically, you see like uh, Ryan Tannehill getting blamed for it. Um, but it's this like uh, I, God, I, I I've talked about on the pot on this podcast before. Like the uh, we're obviously transitioning almost completely to the passing game, where you see m- almost every single NFL team building around the uh, and and somebody like a Devon A chain will be like a golden nugget in this. Yes, yes. because he has that ability. Uh, Who else has a really good uh, pass catching ability in the backfield? Uh, Uh, Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs is another really good one. Yes. How do you view beans a running back that has, um, because one one thing that I see a lot, Christian McCaffrey does it some too. I, I talk a lot of shit on this podcast about taking talented players off the field. When you, Put a running back out at slot receiver, out at even X receiver. We did this with Deuce Vaughn a lot. Yeah. Um, the the good side of that is like you know you're getting a talented player into space. There's more ways you can get them the ball. Blah blah blah. At the same and time, like you would probably say six times out of ten, you're having a linebacker lined up on him. At the same time, you know you're also taking a dude that legitimately plays receiver off of the field, so you can put a non-receiver there, which I have issue with personally, just because it seems retarded. Um, but like. When you look at a NFL draft prospect, if you're an NFL team, what is that? I know this is like a weird, this goes to every position, I guess. And just that mm-hmm. like versatility, it's weird at running back because that's something that in my mind, I kind of hate doing generally. Yeah. Um, but I guess just kind of speak to combine what it means to positional versatility for players. You talk about Anthony Richardson being able to play legitimately any position on the football field, which I think he could probably do. I think he like probably could tackle. Oh God, he could play edge, and I'd still think he'd get like yeah, probably I, ten tackles in a season. You know, like if, if you didn't put him like straight up in the trenches, I think he would just succeed where he was at. Yeah, I agree. But dude, he, yeah. So anyway, what was your question again? Sorry. No, I I was just curious how you kind of looked at uh, when a a player is able to player comes in as a receiver. Does them being a Debo Samuel instead of just being a normal wide receiver move the it gets, needle? It gets it way too overvalued, in my opinion. I think it does too. Okay, I, I'm glad we I, agree. <laughs> I thought no, we were going to go to war here. <laughs> no, that, that was why I was curious because I think NFL teams always look at this and be like, "Oh my God!" The same thing with like Toolsy quarterback can do, can do, can do, can do, but. The how often and the NFL team's ability to actually dive into that is like never, ever. So here, here's my thoughts on that. Your defense, NFL defenses are smart, right? You know, they're okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Yes, They're, they're, they're smart. Hypothetically, they are smart. They, you're supposed to, you're supposed to do your job. You know, you do your one of 11, the play isn't supposed to work for the offense, right? Correct. Okay. Yep. 
the only reason they these guys look at these gadget receivers so highly is because they think they can get them out of a mismatch in personnel. You know, like, oh, if I bring in like a Debo Samuel and have uh, our running back off the field, they think we're going five out. Like, oh, they're just going to go into their dime. They won't have as many linebackers on the field. We'll run it and then we'll catch them off guard. Ah, so crazy. Ah, but if you, the defense is taught, like if you run your positions correctly, do your one of 11 correctly, you can stop that run screen, you know, pass, whatever it is. So the gadget, the gadget side, in my opinion, from a defensive perspective that I've always looked at is way too overvalued because the defense is still supposed to prevent that from even being possible. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, but the best example I can even like pull up is it almost seems like the Arizona Cardinals had like a like it was like their job to bring in these guys and then have no idea what to do with them. Um, you're like Isaiah Simmons, you're Rondale Moore's, Andy is. They brought in all these fucking. They brought in every. De- well, not DeAndre. Hop- DeAndre Hopkins was supposed to be the bar- the burner, but you know, you know, but, yes. but even Byron Murphy, like he's really yeah. really good, but he still fits along that line too. Of like, he's a safety corner. He's a corner. Like, we don't know. Like, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, God, yeah, I, I'm excited. The combine, <laughs> combine here. We're gonna be able to come on next week and really like dive into the results, what it means. Oh yeah. To take from it. Um, I'm just also happy it's here because I feel like we got that. Um, I I dove into the prospects basically as soon as the like new year started over, so I kind of had a lot of that work done. It just um that it just kind of gave me a nice break after the Super Bowl. You know, take take a breather for a couple weeks. Now the combine's here, and it feels like the NFL season's just right back started again. Oh yeah. So as uh, you know, Sydney um, mutilates the squeaker. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go take care of that. Keep going. <laughs> well, we're gonna kind of move on to some Chiefs talk here. I feel like it's been a couple weeks, you know, since the Super Bowl, since we've talked about some Chiefs talk. Um, one thing that is happening, you know, does th- this team that just won the Super Bowl will not be the same next year? And so we're gonna have to face free agency. Who are we franchise tagging? Who are we resigning? Look at look at this free agent uh, free agent pool of uh, receivers, linemen edges you know like every position possible and kind of evaluating on who we want to sign who we want to bring in you know beach is working on this he's got his staff working on this right now um the biggest one is that we have 15 unrestricted free agents about to hit the market and which ones do we want to sign which ones do we want to bring back how do we want to structure our money right now the chiefs are looking about like dead even like at zero dollars right now but with that comes restructures comes extensions and stuff like that like we're able to move the homes uh, Travis Kelsey's money around. We're mo- able to move Frank Clark's money around. Like we can get up to like 25 million in the cap, even 40 if we structure things correctly. So we can get up as high as 40 million this offseason. So Gavin, yes. So um, I'm looking at this list that you have here, and we'll dive into it, go through it. How um, for me and for um, the people listening, how did you come up with the projected contracts? The projected contracts I took off spot rack. So they, okay. they have a, they have a projected market value and I just okay. went with that. All right. That's good job. Beans. Spot, spot, rack, spot rack does usually a pretty good job, you know, and yeah. some, sometimes they kind of undersell it because, but that's just the negotiations, you know, usually NFL teams will overpay for somebody that's a value. So oh, and it's hard, it's hard to not undersell it when, and keep up with the cap going up every year too. So Exactly. And when position values start to increase more and more. And I like spot rack because I think it also takes into consideration the number of free agents 
top top heavy free agents are there. So I, I like that, that that it considers that. Um, so obviously, first name off the list, Orlando Brown Jr. Yeah, Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, the projected cap is there's two options we could do with him. We could either re-franchise tag him, which would be at 120% of his contract from this year, which would put him at about 22 million. That would be his. That would be his contract for this year. Half of it. Half of it is. Uh, how does that work? It's half and half. Half guaranteed. Half a uh, cap out of the cap. So he would have to have half right as soon as he signs the franchise tag. Or we can sign him for what market value on spot rack is five years, twenty two million per year. Gavin, let's say you. So um, I want to make something clear first. I don't want to make this a state a Orlando Brown statement. I like Orlando Brown does a lot of good things for us. I dislike how his like best quality is run blocking and uh we quite <laughs> we're past first offense. <laughs> yeah, I that was I questioned that when we traded for him in the beginning. Um the with that being said too, the the first round pick is gone, right? Like it's gone. This contract negotiation giving him money I understand the Chiefs, like, you know, we traded a first-round pick for this guy. Like, we should be trying to retain him, all that stuff. I get that. At the same time, A, I didn't agree with you doing it in the first place because he doesn't fit what we do. And then, B, like, that was two years ago? A year ago? That was two years ago, yeah. Two years ago. So, like, we've got our – the first-round pick is an afterthought at this point. This is a do we want to pay any offensive tackle this much? And to answer that question – my opinion, no. I think um, Patrick Mahomes is one of the – he's in the bucket of, like, terrible quarterbacks in the NFL that it bring their own pressure. Um, mm-hmm. Escaping out the back of the pocket, 10-step drops, all that stuff. I think, uh, like, Orlando Brown graded really well from PFF. He was like a player in, like, the Chiefs offensive line plays outstanding this year. I think it's ironic during the Super Bowl where Patrick Mahomes doesn't, like, vacate the back of the pocket and move around as much. The offensive line, like, oh, my God, they played outstanding in this game. Like, well, did they ever not play outstanding or did Patrick Mahomes just, like, create a lot of his own problems? With that being said, obviously, escapability and, like, the ability to just create on the fly is Patrick Mahomes' best ability. So they kind of just cancel each other out. With that being said... I just have an issue with that being Patrick Mahomes' best ability, with him inviting his own pressure a lot of the time. I have an issue backing up the Brinks truck for an offensive tackle that it appears just kind of like doesn't matter to our team whether we have a player playing well there or not because you can't tell. Like Common perception was like he wasn't playing well this year. PFF thought he was, plays well in the Super Bowl against one of the best defensive fronts in football. You know, how, how are we supposed to approach that? And in my mind, it's just like, I, I just don't want to, I don't want to back up the Brinks truck for a dude that it appears him playing well or not playing well doesn't affect our team playing well. Right. That's, yeah. that's where my issue comes in. Um, and offensive tackle to most NFL teams is going to be super, super, super important. Um, he's going to get a big contract somewhere, which is going to throw a compensatory pick at us as well. Um, all that stuff is kind of why I think I, I don't even want to franchise tag him. Like I understand we still have to replace the offensive tackle. I just want you to go out and find some like league average dude. That isn't going to be just a problem. I understand that's easier said than done, but honestly, we've done a great job at that. Um, that's how I feel. What do you think beans? So 
you brought up a lot of good points. I am not as much of a Anto- or Orlando Brown um, fan. I, I'm 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 not a hater. I just I don't I don't think he like I agree with you. Doesn't fit. Doesn't quite work well with how Mahomes works. The flip side to that is. I think franchise, I'm okay with the franchise tag that kicks the can down the road for one more year. The next year, you know, the cap's going to go up. Maybe we can look at resigning him for a three or four year deal. What he's looking is he's wanting to get paid. He wants to get paid. He's getting older. He's going to be 27. You're going to only have one chance for a big contract after a franchise tag. You know, yes. Uh, there's also, we're, we may even see this with like Lamar Jackson too. It's, the franchise tra- tag is great. He once paid. I want to avoid a situation. I don't think it would happen, but I do want to at least be mindful that uh, part of the franchise tag too is like he could get franchise tagged and just be like, okay, go fuck yourselves. I'm not playing. Right. He doesn't like, get paid. You don't get paid with that. I understand. So it seems counterproductive that he wants to get paid, but if you're going to take the franchise tag, which is 120% of what he got paid this year. Hmm. I, I, I agree. He should do that. But like at the same time, I could see that happens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he held out until right before preseason, right before right. preseason. So yeah, he did this once. And Chris Jones did the same thing too. I, it, yeah. It's a common thing. It seems to be a reoccurring thing for the chiefs, but um, the other side I want us to look at this from is what other free agent are we going to bring in? I, there, uh, this, this free agent class of tackles is not good. It's very right tackle heavy which Orlando Brown was a right tackle that happened to be pretty good at the left tackle. But I just don't see, you know, Taylor Lulon, he's a left tackle. He's 33 years old. He has had two ACL injuries. How much 100% is he? I'm okay with bringing him in as a backup. That ain't going to happen because he's going to get a pretty good contract, I would suspect. Uh, you got Mike McGlinchkey. I can't say his name. He's a right tackle. He's pretty good, but he's not a pro bowler. He, did, he never got invited to the pro bowl. Um, who else do we got? Andre Dilliard for Philadelphia. He kind of lost his spot, you know, I, to a guy that played rugby. So there's like names in here I'm looking at and it's just like, who could we bring in? I look for youth. I look for youth and I look for ability to, I look for youth and not be a problem. Yes. That's, that's very good. (laughs) Not be a problem. And that's really an offensive line. That's like the, that's the first prerequisite, and it's the most important prerequisite. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, where where I completely agree with you in a perfect world, right? The Chiefs should be able to franchise tag Orlando Brown, or like have already found a tackle that they knew that could replace him last year. I don't yep. think that that has happened. The franchise tag buys us the ne- the next year to maybe we bring in a young free agent, maybe we draft a dude in the second or third round. Yeah. You know, like. It gives us that extra year to try and find somebody that can give us 75% of Orlando Brown. And another perspective I, I, I thought of is we're at pick 31. We ain't picking the cream of the crop there. You know, very rarely do you get a um, uh, Orlando Brown was a second round pick, but very rarely do you get a back half of the first top second where they just produce. Um, and with that, like, the last person I could think of was uh, Rams check for the saints. And he was a right tackle. And that was in 2017. That was a long time ago. 
yeah. long, long time ago. So finding talent at that spot where we're going to be at consistently, consistently is very difficult. So we do have to look at free agency. And that's what I look at. Like, you know, maybe this is why we sign Orlando Brown is because we're kind of pigeonholed here. I, I think you can. The, the like flip side of that, I think you can find capable starters outside of day one at offensive tackle, but you're almost never finding the dude that's like a quote difference maker or yeah. like a um like this guy's absolutely our starter. It's a yeah. guy that like you'd feel cap like he'd be great as a backup. You could throw him in for a couple games when your starter's injured. Um, you see a, like quite a few guys like that honestly come out of like rounds two, three, four, or five. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, Andrew Wiley was that way, and then he became a starter. Yes, even the dude like like even a dude the dude that comes to mind for me is like a Walker Little from uh, Stanford that was Jacksonville, and like he fell specifically because like injuries and shit like that. And And he he also had some short arms, and so played played last year looked okay. Maybe they decide to like build around him. A dude like that for the Chiefs would be like ideal for me. Mm -hmm. Like this year, you know, you uh, find a dude. You look at, you can see him in practice, bring him into the building. And then next year after the franchise tag can say, okay, this guy is here. He's making us confident that we do not need to pay Orlando Brown. That's best, yeah. case, best case scenario. Um, all right. Uh, to move along here, um, Juju Smith-Schuster. I say no. I I say I, I want to say yes, but his market value right now is at four year, 14 and a half per year. 26 years old, you know, I'm not saying he has an injury history, but he has a has an injury reoccurrence, if that makes sense. You know, he's not he's not always out, but he's always he's got nagging issues. So here's my I'm actually amazed. That's what his market value is at, because I, when I see that. I, I think to myself, like, like, damn it. If we just cut ties with MVS, like, that's the first thing here is I think we need to cut ties with yeah. MVS. If we, bring yeah. Brett, if we bring back Juju, MVS is gone. Like, yeah. he's just somebody that, I don't want to Yes, be- because MVS's contract is very outable. Like, we would save, I think, about yeah. $7 million cutting him. We'd have to eat yes. three, 3 million, but... I don't care. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know. I, I think, and this, keep in mind, this is coming from the uh, driver of the uh, Skymore fan club bus, but... Um, I think that last year, um, I, I understand learning the offense. Ironically, like it appears that one of Kadarius, Tony or Sky Moore like lines up offsides on a play or lines up in the wrong spot in a play that like ends up scoring in the Super Bowl. But like a play like that kind of like makes me take a step back. Like, okay, this guy, like last game of the season, the furthest, like you've had the most time in the ability or in the building to learn the offense. And like, we still are like making mistakes like that, not being in the right spot, probably not fully understanding the playbook. I can understand not wanting to throw in hindsight a Sky Moore, a Kadarius Tony out there for the majority of the snaps. At the same time, um, like MVS played the whole season and still didn't do a goddamn thing. So yeah, and what, I mean, what, what Juju had the playbook do for him. Yeah, and I mean, we kind of changed Juju's role a little bit. He went from being yeah. a big slot receiver to being an X for us. And that's what yeah. we're needing. We're needing an X. We need somebody to kind of take that outside threat off of us. Um, two guys that come to mind. Well, outside of Juju, other two guys that come to mind. Alan Lazard, we're looking at three years, 12 and a half per year. It's a little high. You got DJ Chark. Uh, I believe he was three years, nine and a half per year. 
So that's a little bit better. Yeah. Um, those are the, just the direct guys that come to mind that I think we could replace Juju with. I, I agree. I think they'd be cheaper than Juju. My problem is I, Juju's still best as a big slot. Um, I understand yeah. the reason he like appears to play well and did play well for us at X receiver is because we don't use our X receiver as a traditional. NFL not a big guy. Not a, not a big guy. He's just there for space. Well, and like, all of the majority of our passing plays are so scripted are so set up to get like specific players open. It's not like, like when you watch, I talked about it in the super bowl, you watch AJ Brown play X receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's on press coverage against Jalen Watson. Uh, just going to get off press coverage, break on a slant route and just create five yards of separation. Bang. Like you can, we've seen that a thousand times. You, yeah. it, it's the most textbook, like, okay, like, they're just going to be able to get five yards because AJ Brown can do that stuff. The Chiefs don't do that stuff. They don't yeah. throw your ex receiver out there, expect him to win one on one. That's your first read, and you make the throw. It is yeah. some convoluted bullshit that is one of the most effective offenses that has ever been created. And I understand that completely. That being said, I don't think like pigeonholing any of our receivers into specific roles just kind of works for this offense. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to to answer your juju question. If it's for that, and we, and we cut MVS, I'm fine because I I still want one of juju or MVS here just for that veteran presence. Yeah, um, I like we can bring in another vet. That's like okay, but like they've already been they've been here for a year. Let's use a second year yeah. in the system. Um, let's. That's take one those. thing that juju getting 900 yards this year. I think was the best case scenario for him. Yeah, because yeah. like he learned how to play with Mahomes. Yes. What I don't want to have happen is. We signed Juju, we keep MBS in the building, and even though um, what I was afraid of happening this year, um, and may maybe it doesn't, maybe our coaching staff is better than this, but I don't want us paying these dudes that aren't being productive money to keep our to keep Kadarius Tony to keep Sky Moore off the field. I don't want that to happen. Yeah, that, well, that's we can kind of go on to the next person on this list is Nicole. Yeah, yes, gone. Bye gone, bye. gone. Um, Hepatitis. Can, see you later. Grab, grab Trey Palmer in the fourth round. Just do anything that you can do anything <laughs> to replace what McCall Hardman did for this team, right? I, I, well, and I think I think getting uh, Kadarius Tony and a Sky Moore between the two of them, you filled that role. Yes. You, I, you don't need him. The, and, towards the tail opinion, end of the Sky Moore can play any receiver or any position on any NFL team that you want to like X Z slot receiver, anything you want yeah. to throw out there. I think Sky Moore has the ability to do it. Um, I, I just think that we need to focus on getting those two dudes more involved in the offense next year. Juju, bringing Juju back sure can like help with that. And you need depth, obviously, at receiver. I don't want to yeah. disregard that. But McColl's over that line of like, I, I don't give a shit about the depth that he's bringing. Well, I don't want to... And I know Miko kind of was filling into his role before he kind of got into that injury issue that he faced. He was kind of filling in a little bit. The, the dis disappointing part was the four years of being pissed off and, yeah. and just the fact that it took four years for it to develop. Well, and what even what you're talking about here, though, like that's still developing into a gadget role. Like, yeah. And, and I, I, I don't I, know if we, I, I know if, I don't know if we would look at it differently if he was not the second round receiver that we took. Remember, we took we him would. because, of, like, remember, we took him in the second because Tyree of Tyreek Hill. Hill. Yes, exactly. So I wonder if we would be looking at this different if he was like a fourth or fifth round. And, but 
We would, but we I wouldn't be talking about re-signing him either. For I still would. I still wouldn't bring him back, though. I, I, I just think we have two. I think we're fine. <laughs> I, yeah. Long story short, I think we're good, and I think we're gonna get somebody in the draft that I think could just be of value or better at, than agree. what Miko has served. I um, agree completely. Um, not to kind of just you know keep on dragging on what we've been doing. Is there anybody else on the list that you think is worthy of discussion? Um, um, Andrew Wiley, I would bring back just to bring that depth, bring that dude that we're comfortable with. We know that he can step in there and be okay. And I think I, three years, four and a half. Perfect. Seems all right. Yeah. Three yeah. and a half, four and a half per year. Yeah. Bring him that, back. That is uh, when we're talking about, again, like when we're talking about these wide receivers, wide receivers are just naturally a more paid position, blah, 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 blah. But like not paying, I would so much rather bring in an Andrew Wiley, bring in like two other dudes that can fill in at other, at other important positions too. Offensive tackle is an important position. Yeah. Getting a dude that's capable there and having to pay him like 40% of what we'd be paying McCall Hardman. Absolutely. Let's do that with that cap instead of strengthening a, or like paying at a position that I think is just uber replaceable. Exactly. No, I agree. Um, the one, one other name that just kind of pops up that um, I'm seeing is Juan Thornhill. Um, I don't want to bring him back unless it's for cheap. I'm kind of trying to see if I can find his market value right now. I, I could make this easy for you, Beans. The rest of the players on here are like filling out the roster for us. I'm fine bringing back on a small deal, um, but I'm not like, I'm not, oh, what's the word? I'm not, I'm not enthusiastic. No, his contract is not important to me, and I don't think, yes. and I can't find a market value for him. There's just a couple of names in free agency that I think would just fill it, fill his role so much better. I think ever since his rookie year, he's just been a shell of a player. You know, Ju uh, you got Julian Love out of New York, Taylor Rapp out of Los Angeles, Nasir Adderley for the uh, Chargers, you know, like just those guys I feel are just three that I just named off in this class of free agencies that I'd be more than happy of replacing him with. And the, the thing with those guys is like, when I say prioritize them, they are going to be, there's going to be a, a dude in that group of players that you just mentioned that's available like in July. Just yeah. go grab him in July because he's going to be on the market enough that he's not going to care. He's just going to be like, get me on a roster and get me paid. And I'm just I'm just curious to see what somebody like a CJ Gardner Johnson is going to do. Yeah, I, this is such a weird, the free agent class and the draft class, both like lacking high end talent at basically everywhere is an NFL team's done a really good job of saying like, all right, you're talented, you're getting paid. Like we're not seeing the high, high end talent hitting free agency anymore, which is great. You want high end talent to get paid. You especially want that high end talent to like stay at the place they're drafted at. Like they're the, you know the core to the franchise or at least like get traded and a team like say not only, you know, an AJ Brown, not only do we want you bad enough to pay you, but we're going to trade significant draft capital for the opportunity to pay you. Like that's the type of shit that like, uh, that's what's happening with talented players. Now they're not walking into free agency like they used to, which is yeah. a big change in the NFL that I've noticed. Okay, and then here's kind of one last question I have for you, and then we can kind of move on to hot take and get out of here because enjoy our Friday. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so ex we have a Shane Bouchelle, backup quarterback. Chad Haney's retired, you know. 
backup quarterback, third stringer, Shane Bouchelle is on exclusive rights free agent, which means we have first rights to him. We could just sign him for a one year, $940,000 deal. Cheap, right? Is this a year where we actually draft a quarterback? It's crazy to say, but do we draft a quarterback with one of our numerous picks? Yeah, one of our numerous seventh rounders. Um, yeah, all four of them. <laughs> yeah, I. So, in all seriousness, we've had Shane Buscelli here for years. Um, I think this is year three in our in our in our system. Yeah. So, um, if he again, if you're the Chiefs, the easy way to look at this is like, all right, Shane Buscelli's been here for years. Um, our backup, help me out, Beans. Uh, Chad. Henney, Chad Henney. Yep. Thank you. Is retiring. You no, know, he's got, he's got his rings. He's out of here. Uh, same thing we talked about with Orlando Brown, Chad Henney's gone. If you trust Shane Buscelli to be able to play that like part of one playoff game or whatever that Chad Henney's done so well for us a couple times, then sure. Pay him, keep him in the building. Just like make sure we hold on to him. That can just be our guy. Uh, if he's not, don't pay him. Go literally just like find another body, bring in a veteran. I, but like, Shane Shane Buscelli playing well and doing that. The part that I like about it is a uh, like we've had him in the building, knows the system, we trust him, Jiang, and we can kind of roll with two quarterbacks almost. Like uh, we did it, we did it two years ago. This year we kept three on roster, but two years ago we had two. Right. If you trust Shane Buscelli, bring him up, pay him just enough to keep him around, which is nine hundred forty thousand dollars. You know. Yeah. Clark Hunt will write the check right now. Right. That's the um, the like crappy part about just being like, oh, like we don't trust in Shane Buscelli. It is going to use another roster spot, right? Like we're going to have to bring in a vet and we're going to have to draft somebody. We can't just come in here with some seventh round draft pick and expect him to step in in a playoff game if Mahomes is hurt and lead us to a victory, right? And I like Shane Buscelli. I mean, his height, I and, too. Weight, I like his, his height and weight is a little concerning, but like how he plays is almost like, it, it it almost meshes well with what we're doing. Yes. Um, and I like that. One thing I just liked about Chad Henney was the veteran presence, which we really don't need anymore. Patrick Mahomes has done this for five years now. We don't really need a veteran presence at quarterback. Yes. Um, at the same time, though, um, when we just get done talking about like players like Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony not being able to get involved enough because they don't understand the offense because we run one of the most complex offenses in the NFL. Um are you really going to like bring in a whatever drafted round uh, or young quarterback and like expect him to just be our backup quarterback, know everything there is to know about one of the most complex positions in football. The veteran presence allows you to bring someone in and like know that they're going to be able to take in the playbook and then be able to execute it when it comes time to do it. I would be worried, especially early in the season, if we like lost Mahomes for like four weeks or something, and all we no. had, all we had to throw in there was some like six round draft pick that not only like uh, is not Uber because all all these quarterbacks we're talking about, I don't value all that highly, but at least the veteran can come in there and operate the offense in the way you expect it to be operated. All right, I'm going to list you four names, and I want you to choose one that you would just bring off from this free agent group. Okay. All right, Blaine Gabbert, Nick Mullins. Hang on here. Okay, Nick Mullins. Easton Stick, Gardner Minshew. Uh, I wouldn't want to pay what it's going to take to get Minshew in here. Um, I think it'd be really interesting. Um, the first one, the Missouri guy. Uh, Blaine Gabbert. Thank you. I think it'd be really interesting to bring in the Missouri guy, just like, you know, uh, back close to back literally into Missouri. Um, 
I think that that would be super interesting. Mm-hmm. All of them I kind of view as the same level of quarterbacks, if I'm being honest. Uh, Gardner Minshew a tier above those guys. Yeah. Uh, but, like, I feel like in our – oh, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. In our cheese system, um, I feel like a backup quarterback should be able – a backup NFL quarterback, If when I use that NFL term to say, like, you meet the threshold of being able to be an NFL quarterback. Yeah, you should be able to step in here and operate the offense and be a be successful enough. Yes, like that's that's kind of how I feel. A six round draft pick that like has no fucking idea and is learning learning the reads, learning the system, all that. I wouldn't expect that, but yep. I expect Andy Reid to be able to carry similar to you mentioned Nick Mullins. We see that out of San Fran all the time. Like, the, yeah. oh, they brought in the backup quarterback, but Kyle Shanahan is a wizard, and it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Well, I mean. Andy Reid's a wizard, same style offense, West Coast kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. and similar. maybe somebody like a Nick Mullins would be a you know diamond in the rough that we could just bring in. So yeah. I mean, he's already proven that in the right system, he can step in and be successful, right? So which is what uh, you know that I was going to say Easton Stick just because I love me some Easton Stick, I, I, but I, I, I think I'm changing. I think I'm changing my answer to Nick Mullins on that. I think I wouldn't mind bringing him in. So I what, think he we, makes. A, I think all three of them make a lot of sense. Oh yeah, I agree. Um, anything else to add, Gavin? No, I think I'm ready for uh, list season, Beans. I'm ready to kick off list season. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Dude, yep. it's mock draft season. I'm, I love mock drafts. I do one, like, every day. To uh, I Are we ready to move? Do you have any thought-provoking moments for us before we move into hot take? I know we've been going for um, a little while here. I'm not you, – you make that call. You're the host. You're the guy. You're the um, – I do CEO. have one. Oh, yeah, I go. do. Right. Oh, I'm a CEO. God bless. This company's falling. Um, all right. What is stopping me from creating a debt collection company, buying all my debt, and then just being debt free? Thus, thus not being not thus not being in debt. What's so, what's stopping me from doing that? I have. Okay, this is slightly off topic with that. Um, but so I've actually, for the first time in my life, received a call from a debt collection company. Oh yeah. shit! But. This is where it gets really good because I figured out that basically you can just call the debt collection company and like accuse people no matter like what. So like, yeah. So like beans, you owe me money and like, I'll just go to the debt collection company and they can just go after you. They'll just start calling you like whatever. Right. Um, cause what happened was, uh, the place that I used to rent from, uh, here in McPherson. Yeah. I move out do everything correctly. I write checks, drop it in Dropbox type stuff. Yeah. Uh, keep in mind, this place has my contact information, has my <laughs> as your number. Address. Yeah. They, I live in the same town, hiding in plain sight. You know, like I am not. <laughs> they hiding know where I work. Yes. They have my social security number. Damn yes, it. Yes. <laughs> quite literally, they can see my bank account. Uh, <laughs> but so I get a instead of them calling me. I get a call from the, I actually thought it was a prank call. So I just like, you know, hang up. Uh, so then like, you know, a little like days later, I get a, another call from this debt collector. I'm like, all right, you call me twice. Like I'll at least listen now. Um, they start talking about this account that I have with this, uh, company. And I'm like, you know, this doesn't make any sense. Like, uh, and I eventually figure out who it's through. I was like, 
they have my contact information. I literally told the debt collector, I was like, why the fuck are you calling me? They have my contact information. <laughs> and they were like, well, they like went to us to make sure that we ensured that this debt was collected. I was like, well, there isn't a debt to collect, first of all. And I was like, and B, like, if they just called me, we could get this resolved. But I was like, all right, I'll go talk to them, whatever. And they were super assholes about it because they have to be because that's their job. But so what ends up happening is like, you know, when you write a check, there's the check backing that like shows you what like the check was written, who was out for yep. amount and it has the number. So uh, I end up sending the picture of the ba check backing that they said I hadn't like wrote amount was what the amount that they said that I owed and showed my bank account showing that they had cashed it. Uh, and it was like, I don't know what to tell you guys. I wrote a check to you guys and you guys cashed it. So unless you want to give me that money back, I ain't paying shit to you guys. And they literally just like, oh, yeah, no, we see it now. Thank you. Wow. And I was, and I was like, so you could have just like called me, done like any of this shit. But now nah, we got to go through a debt collection. Debt collection. I'm not even sure wow. like, what that does for like credit score or anything like it that. It doesn't hurt you. I, I didn't think. But it was just like, like, why? Like, I don't like getting that phone call from a fucking debt collector, you know? And especially don't like it when it's quite literally just wrong and the people could have just, like, asked me about it. But, like, physically, yes, they had the money, but were still able to have the debt collector come after me. So I'm not sure what it actually takes. So if you have beef with somebody, you want to fuck with somebody, um, you didn't hear this from Flyover State Sports Show, but you should you know, sick the debt collector on them, right? Like you yeah. want to like make someone sweat. You're a fantasy football league commissioner and you have yes. debt on oh, somebody. There you go. Yeah. Call yeah. the debt collection company, give them their number, email and uh, league name. They'll go Bam. right at them. That happened yeah. to me too. So I used to live in a par uh, apartments in Salina and they sent us to debt for, for replacing the carpet, which they told us when we first moved in that they replaced the carpet every time somebody new moves in. They sent us to they sent us to a collection company, and I had ten days to give them eight hundred dollars. I'm a fucking broke college student. I don't have eight hundred dollars in my back pocket. So yeah, that was that pissed me off. Yeah, just lying around, just like, oh yeah, let me go grab that and send that to you without thinking about it twice. And we asked for pictures, so we asked for pictures of the damage done to the carpet. They sent us this picture on the tenth day. They literally waited till the tenth day until the collections was going to be sent after us. And we would have been like gone to court or something like that. I don't know what the fuck happens after that. But on the 10th day, they sent me a picture of just a little stain spot the size of my fist. And I'm like, that could have been any fucking carpet. It could have yeah. been anybody's carpet. Did you send him a picture of like, you know, just some carpet cleaner from Walmart? <laughs> <laughs> I should have done that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, moral of the story is don't trust renters. Rent or or debt collectors apparently. or debt collectors apparently yeah so anyways uh, yeah I'm gonna create my own debt collection company buy my own debt and then be debt free yeah I think yeah. no I think that makes sense and then you just uh, tell the government like no like I I've got it like I'm the debt collector I've collected yeah it might hurt my credit score but hey I'm debt free yeah no if you got enough debt I, I'm, the United States should just do that honestly yeah they, yeah they dude debt collector that just okay I want to see the U.S.'s credit score right fucking now. I want to see what their credit score is. I want to see the bank that keeps giving them loans. <laughs> <laughs> I need to talk to them. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to have a conversation with them. Like, hey, 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 how many uh, blank checks do I get? Uh, um, okay, Beans, you have a hot take for us or we move on? Uh, am I taking us out of here? Yeah, you kick us out with a hot take. 
All right. So I, I've been talking this up. A lot of thought, a lot of uh, excitement has went into this. Um, I expect a uh, graphic to come out for people to Jesus. like just attack me on Twitter after this. Um, Breaking moves. To kick off list season, uh, these are the top 10 best receivers in the NFL today, right now. That's not, not like building my team around. These are today the best. Are you starting at 10? Oh, yeah. Well, mm, no, it'd be more fun to work our way down. Okay. Top two, like, or I don't want to, like, get to the last two and you're just like, oh, yeah, you know. Okay. Um, so Justin Jefferson and then Tyreek Hill at the top. Those are, like, the two. And quite honestly, like, Justin Jefferson just gets the nod because, A, he's younger and, like, honestly probably can do more things at, like, this point. Yeah. Um, but, like, I I want to, like, emphasize that they're just, like, the top two and, like, not in a tier of their own, but just kind of, like, outstanding, no questions. Uh, they're going to, like, completely change your passing attack if you bring them in. Okay. Um. Devontae Adams is who I have third. Um, I, again, a dude that, like, goes to the Raiders, and the, Ra the Raiders did a lot of, like, shitty things to where they basically just let Devontae, like, take everything. But Devontae yeah. still did take everything. Like, he's done it without Aaron Rodgers now. There's no questions. He's one of the best, if not the best, route runners in the NFL. He's going to win no matter who the quarterback, the situation is. Just outstanding receiver. I have no questions about Devontae Adams. I just don't think that he has the... Uh, athleticism, like get out of jail free card that those top two have, right? Yeah. Um, then uh, right after Devontae Adams, because I think AJ Brown is just a step below in that like technical side of the game, still very very good. AJ Brown. Um, that I loved AJ Brown, lauded him on this show. Again, I still feel like we're high enough on the list that like I don't want to say is um you can kind of like shift them around in whatever order. These dudes are outstanding, right? Yeah. We're talking about the best. Um, quite honestly, our next dude, Jamar Chase, I'm going to throw into that group as well, but I feel like I'm going to have to defend that one a bit more because most people like are kind of throwing their phone through a wall, wondering why Jamar Chase hasn't been mentioned already. Um, yeah. Jamar I was going to say like Jamar Chase, like a, some people might argue like that three spot, you know, three or four, but any, any spot above five. Uh, Honestly, this five, this five is like one percent of one percent of one percent. Yes. Yeah, I want to, I want to, I don't want to like feel like I'm sitting the fence with that. I'm confident that this list is correct. Uh, <laughs> if you want to come at me, like whatever. Um, Jamar Chase does a lot of things really, really, really well, but I think that because he is such a freak when it comes to the athleticism, he kind of, in a way, relies on that enough that he hasn't fully developed that technical side of the game the route running creating separation all of that that allows him to just be unstoppable yeah like those top guys have it's like Devontae Devont adams even though he doesn't have the athleticism it just kind of doesn't matter uh <laughs> like, i've seen enough times where jamar chase it has mattered um disappearing from certain games uh maybe like a contested catch that shouldn't have been a contested catch again i'm talking about like a couple plays and like a couple times, but it's things that you like aren't worried about with the top guys. Yeah. Um, Stefan Diggs after that, I kind of, I honestly expected a bigger year out of Stefan Diggs um, this year with like him being the only guy of note in Buffalo. Um, he still was outstanding and everything. I just think that he's a, uh, he's the like great value version of a lot of the 
great things that all the receivers above do. He's a pretty good athlete. He's a like great route runner, but probably not Devonte Adams level of route runner. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he's, if he's not that number one, he's the number two route runner guy. Uh, I just think again, we're still talking. I feel like, yeah, this is where I see a tear break though. If you okay. like put that like list and you can almost argue to move a lot of them wherever you want in there. I feel like that's the correct order. Um, but that's because I view a lot of the like technical side. You having athleticism, you using athleticism to bail you out is great, but it's not as predictive and it's not as consistent. I always, yeah. I, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, Terry McLaurin is my eighth best receiver in the NFL. Um, Seventh. Uh, oh, is that where we're on now? Seven. Yep. Okay, sure. Seven. Shit, I might have. I might only have nine, but that's fine. <laughs> God, uh, you can't even count. No, I'm just an engineer. I was drunk when I wrote this list. So okay, all right. <laughs> just kidding. Um, Terry McLaurin is. Uh, you can look at the list of quarterbacks. I because everybody's you know like oh we just haven't seen it. I I don't give a shit uh, as far as production. Um, there's no the athleticism's there. The technical side is there. He can do everything. Um, really, the only reason he is here is quite literally because I haven't seen it with a good a quarterback that allows him to put him into the stratosphere of those top guys. Um, but I do want to emphasize with Terry McLaurin is something that he does that a couple of the guys above him don't do. And a lot of receivers don't do. Um, not only is he one of the best receivers in the game, in my opinion, but he is the heart and soul of a he, horrible, horrible organization, horrible, terrible thing. And he still wanted to be there. He signed an extension. Yes. Exactly. He is the, uh, I don't want to like let that touchy feely stuff like change, you know, a talent evaluation of receivers. But in this case, to me, it matters because he has had multiple quarterbacks, three different names, like team names. Just there is, he is the Washington commanders. He came in as a 24 year old rookie or 23, 24 year old rookie. And his second Mm -hmm. season was already a team captain. Yeah. That just shit that you don't see. And that's, when you add all of that on top of being one of like the best technical and athletic receivers in the game, it just kind of makes it a no-brainer to put him there, in my mind. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is actually eighth. Um, yes. Uh, Brandon Ayuk has already produced... That's why you wouldn't trade him. Yeah, No, I, I love Brandon Ayuk. Uh, I think his route running is one of is super, super, super underrated on a national scale. He is a, he is, his route running is gorgeous. I don't and, know how he does it. And I hate that it doesn't get more national attention. I, I know. We, know. we know he is like a incredible athlete. Um, I know I have him down this far because I can't put him above players above him. His numbers aren't his numbers. The, the numbers aren't there, but yeah, so he I'm, has the, he has with Jimmy G at quarterback though. Yeah. He, like, he has the capabilities. Like right. I, I'm very big on Ayuk too. Right. So this is a good spot. He's well, and he's one of the guys too, where like yards after the catch, uh, like master starts to also come into it. Cause if you yeah. remember when Debo was hurt, his uh, rookie year, Brandon Ayuk basically just like stepped into the Debo role and like didn't like the 49ers just didn't see a change in like yeah. production from that spot. I, I know uh, Kyle Shanahan like does a lot for them there and kind of like being able to not decipher what is Brandon Ayuk sometimes and what is the system is keeping him down here as well. But when I see him line up one on one and just like shadow 
the corner off of the fucking screen. Yeah. Um, like that, that's the type of stuff that I love at receiver. And I see it consistently from Brandon. I, um, <laughs> uh, DK Metcalf is next. Um, he, here's where like, you see the line of like, I don't think he's uber technical. I don't think that, um, there's anything he does from the technical side. That's like setting him apart from any other receiver. He is one of the, his size adjusted athleticism is so fucking freaky. It doesn't matter. Oh yeah. Um, so like, if I'm, if I just, is it, uh, to compare it to basketball, like, you know, the need a bucket type guy of like, I don't know how you're going to figure this out, but you're in single coverage. You're probably just going to get open because you're a more better athlete than the other dude. Or if you're not like, I hate depending on contested catches, but like that's the frame and the athleticism that you bank on to win those types of things. He's just, he's a different enough athlete that I'm willing to look past the technical concerns and he's got better at the technical concerns and expanded his route tree every year in the NFL too. That's yeah. Uh, so not only do you like buy into DK Metcalf where he's at now, but there's potential that like over the next year or two that he continues to climb this list because there's no question about the athleticism. Technical side is something you can refine and learn to an extent. And DK Metcalf has been doing that so far. Um, and the yak side of it too. He's outstanding at that. Yes. Beans. Can I guess number 10? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because there's a receiver that um, I'm assuming some people who have uh, who live in their mom's basement and have nothing better to do and don't critically think have like already thrown their computer through a wall. Um, and I'm sorry that you're going outside to go grab your computer from outside, but that uh, that's kind of what I thought when I put this list together. But I believe it 100. percent Okay. Is he older or younger? He's older. Is it Hop? Hop. DeAndre oh. Hopkins? No, I don't think he's a top receiver in the NFL anymore at this point. Okay. So if he's older, who? Let, let me walk that back. I think he's a great, I think he's a really good receiver at this point. I don't think he's like nearing a top 10 list. He's still really good. Okay. So he's older and he's still. Amari Cooper. No, you're not going to think about him because he was hurt this year. It's Cooper Cup. Oh, damn. Yeah, but there are people that would put him as the best receiver in the NFL, and I, like, hate those people. Um, okay, damn. so Cooper Cup is a outstanding receiver at what he does. I've talked about multiple times on the show about how, like, I have my biggest issue with Cooper Cup is he's a very, very specific, role-specific player, excels to the like nth degree at that role. And there's a, there's a value in that, whatever his role is also like one of the least valuable things a receiver can do. Like, yeah. um, could, um, could you imagine there, there's a reason that, uh, AJ Brown is just not covered by linebackers, right? There's a mm -hmm. reason Devontae Adams is just consistently not covered by linebackers. You can, there's multiple sides to this. I know football people will come at me be like, Oh, you can move them around, get mismatches, all that. I understand that at the end of the day, when Devontae Adams lines up in the slot, when Devontae Adams line, comes in motion, he doesn't just disappear. He does not. It's not like you just like uh, he's deleted. And then when the like ball is snapped, you say, oh, holy fuck, he's over there. Like you see him. He's there. The defense still makes the conscious decision of what player guards the wide receiver. And NFL teams don't respect Cooper Cup enough to put corners on him. They yeah. don't respect him enough to just put their number one guy on him and follow him. They say all right, he's probably going to get 150 yards on us. But, like, 
it's going to be in a way that we're not scared of getting beaten, right? Because there, everything goes through Cooper Cup. That's great. Um, the linebackers, linebacker is going to be on him. He's going to get beat a lot, but they don't respect him enough to put the number one corner on him. He's doing a lot of this against linebackers. He's doing it finding holes in zone coverage, which takes a skill level. Ironically, I uh, actually looked, scouted Marvin Mims in this draft class yesterday. I haven't seen a lot of receivers before that like genuinely couldn't find holes in zone coverage. Marvin Mims looks like he is on fucking like blindfolded when he is like running through zone coverage. It's incredible. Like Tra- Traylon Burke was like blindfolded in the way of he would just run into people. Um, Marvin Mims, it's like uh, like he's just like like sucked into like where defenders zones are. Like instead of finding holes in zone, he's like looking for defenders and like I gotta go stand by you. It's like incredible. Um, Touchdowns kind of does that too. Yeah, Coop- Cooper Cup. Really good at that, but is that really like all that crazy of an ability and not like and not replaceable? I don't know. I think you could put a lot of receivers into Cooper Cup's role and they would be so fucking successful. Maybe they don't put like 2,000 yard seasons up. A lot of them, I think, do. A lot of them, I think, put up more than 2,000 yard seasons. And I think there's receivers in the NFL that aren't even capable of playing the Cooper Cup role because the defense respects them too much, right? Like, I. I don't think Justin Jefferson's going out there and getting covered by a linebacker 60, 70% of his snaps or safety. Exactly. That's the, that's why he's down there. I just don't think he's ever been charged with doing something difficult enough and excelled at it a, at a level that the receivers above him have. That's really just what as simple as it is. Um, I love that this list is going to get posted on Twitter with no context so that people can just be really pissed off at it. Uh, That forces them to listen. Yeah, well, I was gonna say, come listen to this. I hope I described it in a good way. If uh, um, if you want to come fight me about it, Beans, give them your address so they come to you and argue to you about it. I would. I will be gladly to get text Gavin at seven eight five. Oh fuck! But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that's. Um, I really enjoyed putting that together. I love receivers, evaluating receivers, thinking about receivers. Um, that's uh where I feel like I can excel the most when it comes to player evaluation in the NFL. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's my hot take. Destroy me, please. Uh, what, whatever you feel like you need to uh, Twitter warriors, um, Twitter GMs, uh, Twitter, <laughs> my, the great uh, Gavin uh, rivals of our time. But yeah, that, that's what I got to add today. Good show beans. I'm yeah. This about is the, the bullshitting for the beginning. I don't know where you're going to throw that in. That was fun. Um, the, uh, I'm excited for the combine. I'm excited to come on here next week. And oh yeah, somebody's going to face plant. Somebody always does. Somebody's going to surprise us. And at the end of the day, we're going to overreact to a lot of information that we probably already knew. Oh yeah, and a lot of times, you know, a lot of times this week, GMs sh- show their hand here. A lot of times, the NFL teams show their hands on what's going to happen. So, and you know what else we're going to get into, Gavin? Mock drafts. I'm excited. I'm excited to get into mock drafts, man. This is going to be so much fun. It hurts my brain looking back at our mock drafts from last offseason. We were consistent, though. We did we pretty were, good. We, we were, were pretty good. We Every mock draft draft is like it, but it's funny seeing the players that like we went to bat for that we missed, and the players we went to bat for that hit. That like, yeah. I, I love looking at that stuff. And oh yeah. Life. So no, it was it, this was a great show, Gavin. I enjoyed uh, talking to you today. It sucks Sam can't be here, but he's doing adult things, and we're not. So Can you imagine working on a Friday. God, what is that like? I don't know. Like I, I try to work as little as possible. Like just genuinely. 
or generally. Yeah. But yeah. then, like, yeah, even, like, on the weekend, even, like, more so. I'm actually going to, like, I'm going to work today. I got to paint trim. Kind of sucks. But uh, I'm, I'm just going to, like, you know, do some laundry and, like. I'm, I'll do that, too. I got uh, I got my Coors Banquet here so I can make sure yep. I'm painting well. Yep, um, exactly. That's how you know it's a straight line is if there's a Coors Banquet in your hand. Well, I mean, you drink, well, you drink enough of it, all lines become straight. So Exactly. But you got to have that counteract of, like, weight in your hands. You got your brush in your hand. You need something else. And, like, a beer is just, like, the right thing in your hand, you know? It's my, just perfect. Well, not only – especially when it comes to painting, right? Yeah. But my favorite oh, yeah. thing to do is to leave the beer out of your hand and on the table. That way you take your drink. You get some paint on your brush. You walk up your ladder because I got crown molding at the ceiling. It's with oh oh you're doing ladder paint. Okay, you're yeah. on the ladder. So yeah, I get up my ladder. You know, by the time I get to the top of the ladder before I start painting anything, like God damn, I'm tired. I need a beer, and so I like you're thirsty back. again. Exactly. Yeah, I back down the ladder. I gotta go drink my beer again, and then you can just keep repeating that, and then eventually you're too drunk to paint. It's awesome. It's beautiful. It's also why I'm not done painting. But OSHA is probably like. No, yeah. you can't do that. Front windows don't have any blinds, so like my because I'm like <sighs> up there, so my neighbors and everything can see me, and I know my neighbors have just like like seen me like standing on the top level of a ladder with a paintbrush in one hand and a beer in the other, and they're just like, man, this just like looks like an accident waiting to happen, but that's okay. He needs to have a safety harness. Hey, I'm one of the most athletic drunks you've ever seen, Beans. Okay, so yeah, you can. You can uh, quote that, do whatever you want with that, because I mean that 100%. So, Well, Gavin, this has been fun. Uh, be sure to follow us at, I don't know how Sam does this, at underscore underscore F3S. That's at underscore underscore F3S. Uh, buy some shirts. Please buy some shirts. That's our only way of making money here. Um, we don't like to we don't like to do ad readings. You know, this is strictly for our fans. This show is strictly for you listeners. So just help us out a little bit. Buy some shirts. I'll probably make some more in the future sometime. I've just been super fucking busy, so I can't make any more shirts right now. It'll come later. We'll get some stuff this off season. Yeah. Nope. I'm uh, excited. Beans. Good show. All right. Peace.
did you uh understand i i went into a uh excel sheet uh mad adventure yesterday did you understand the text that i sent you it was actually really interesting which one i just sent this morning okay Something super interesting. My prospect model has a higher correlation, two points per game and year two than your one when excluding draft capital relative to draft capital. The one year correlation is not all that great, but year two is about the same. Very interesting considering sunk cost fallacy and teams. Does that make sense? Have, you, you, you're going to have to like dumb this down for me. Does right. it, who does this so, apply to? So I have a prospect model that I made that I have made for wide receivers, and I've kind of like fine tuned it over the last three years. Okay. Um, is it, so this is like years, like like three, like junior receivers, junior senior receivers. No, well, this is like um, originally I'd done like a bunch of research into like what correlates, what's the most important outside of draft capital, and then especially when you combine that stuff with draft capital, it becomes to really, really, really correlate with um, like a prospect being good, and especially in fantasy football, that type okay. of stuff. Okay. So um, <clears throat> now it's to the point, or I wanted it to get to the point where uh, I combine my film grade on a receiver and the like analytical score for a receiver into a model score and then compare that to draft capital. So basically how good am I apart from the NFL telling me directly how good a receiver is at okay. evaluating the receiver. Um, so if you just take straightforward draft capital round one, two, three, just all the way down to under seven. Eight, oh, UDFA. Okay. Um, if you just take that and I only use drafted receivers just to get a cutoff somewhere, um, the, uh, how do I explain this? The year, the year one score for draft capital is much higher than the score. I shouldn't say much higher is higher than the score from my model model score is still good. It's like an R squared of 0.5 draft capitals, like 0.6. Mm -hmm. Um, but year two fantasy football per, or points per game from my model correlates at uh, 0.65. So basically, the NFL, do, according to my model, what I take from that is the NFL is doing a better job at getting players that I viewed as talented involved in year two, year one. There's a lot of factors that could go into that. Um, mm -hmm. To me, it's a lot of like, um, okay, we invested highly in this guy, even if I didn't think they were good, but they got opportunity. Like it's like a Jahan Dotson. Well, well, God, what's a good example of this? Um, I gotta think. Let me just peek around for a good example. But like a uh, a receiver, regardless of talent, if he's drafted high, is going to get uh, oh, opportunity, oh. opportunity and score fantasy points. Gotcha. Um, so so you're looking for a receiver in like a good situation. So so like a Garrett Garrett or not? Yeah, Garrett Wilson or well, Chris Olave. Like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Drake London, even Sky Moore, those guys were like some of the highest scoring. And I, I'm, what I'm referring to is actually two years ago, but just to. Oh, two years uh, ago. Okay. So. Just to compare. Two years, two, so, been two years ago. Um, I, as a perfect example, um, a guy like Diami Brown. This didn't actually happen ah. with Diami Brown, but just to give like an example. Um, a, according to the like answers that I got, Diami Brown is only a third round pick. So, like, He's not immediately just going to get thrown out there uh, as yes. easily. There's less of a sunk cost in there. 
but my model really, really, really likes Diami Brown. So according to that, going up in the second year, it's basically saying, I think this dude is really talented. Even though the NFL didn't give like crazy high draft capital into him, it's like mm-hmm. after that second season, when it's like, all right, this dude is talented, we're going to get you on the field and care less about draft capital. So basically, once we care less about draft capital and move forward, more forward towards talent, then my model actually does better, which is kind of ironic in a way and funny, but also really cool to look at. Uh, Dude, I'm, so I'm kind of going back and looking at that draft class. Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Rashad Bateman, and then Diami Brown, Kadarius Tony, Amon Ross St. Brown, R- Rondell Moore, Terrace Marshall. And yeah, it like just o- drop and then it just falls off. And o- obviously, like a Diami Brown just ends up pretty much face planting and stuff. And like that sucks. That's the stuff that like really, really hurts the model, like also, just obviously. There's guys that like I I guys that I missed on are and when I say miss, like really swing and miss go to bat for pre-draft are like much more uh i guess i shouldn't even say that because like a the nfl also has a lot of players that like aren't even on my radar or like i don't give a shit about and then all of a sudden are a second or third round pick your danny grays your taekwon thorntons your like i just don't there's nothing i like about you pre-draft but you still go round one or two those guys bust all the fucking time mm-hmm. um but yeah, I don't know. I I thought that was uh super super interesting cuz I have all this stuff that's supposed to tell you this player is good or bad and uh see if I can essentially do it without the NFL telling me if they're good or bad. I thought it was really really weird how it gets uh like more accurate in the year 2. Now granted this is one data set of one year, one data set, all that that goes the, into it, but. This class will be interesting this year with that model. Like, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'll, I mean, we won't see it until two years from now. But th- this class has like, it's very uh, top two, top three, and then after that, it's very middle heavy. Yeah, I so I ha- I don't have the all of the inputs that I need because we haven't had the combine yet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, do you do you count relative athletic scores on that or so uh speed score, height adjusted speed score basically, or weight adjusted, um BMI and like that so the majority of these are legitimately like a yes or no threshold. Yeah. Like because it's much, much easier to what I found and I, I dug at this for a while. What what I found was uh, hang on. How the fuck did you do this? Like, when did you like put all this together? Did um, you f- listen to somebody do this, or did you find it? Or no, dude, I was in college. I had nothing better to do. Um, <laughs> so you just created a model on like just how to grade receivers. Well, what I what I do is find something that like receivers that hit X threshold, uh, like hit at this rate compared to not hitting. Or compared to, uh, and then it's like, okay, when you do this with draft capital, then it's like this much higher than just draft capital alone. Um, Gotcha. But then the interesting part about that is when one website talks about hitting a singular threshold that increases hit rate, and another website talks about another threshold that talks about, or that increases hit rate, and they're mutually exclusive. Uh, 
then when you take those independent things, combine them together, then you get like a portion of those hit rates, like start building on each other. Mm-hmm. Into- yeah. So it basically took a bunch of work from other people. And I, I, I don't want to take like credit for this. There's, there's a lot of people out here that do a lot of shit like this. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I basically took a lot of work from other people and then just combined it so that, uh, I, I could, um, at the only part that is like not, um, like from anybody else is the like fil- one zero to ten film score that I give a receiver, and okay. the uh, only players to receive a nine or ten um, in the film score are Jamar Chase, uh, Garrett Wilson, and Devonta Smith. Devonta Smith was a nine, but and that's crazy because those are like the probably the top. Yeah, those are those are the those were the guys that are just like well, and it's funny too because like Garrett Wilson had so many questions. <laughs> like I got Garrett Wilson at uh, one hundred seven in our dynasty draft, and it was just like I just have no questions about this guy. Jamar Chase was one of the best college receivers I've ever watched. Uh, it's like he had everything, but then also just was really really fucking good at playing the receiver position, which is usually a combination you don't see at all. <laughs> 